welcome to another exciting edition of the Dr. Funk Podcast. And now, here's your host, Dr. Funkenberry. Welcome everyone to the Dr. Funk Podcast. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, listening to us on Podbay. Thank you for donations. Thank you for everything. We have a great episode for you today. We're talking about Purple Rain uh, Deluxe chart positions, Prince's return to YouTube, the Musicology Battle of the Bands at Paisley Park. And then after that, you have the Andre Simone interview, part two. What is up, Chris? What up, Doc? How you doing? How you doing? Man, <laughs> I'm telling you, that part one of that interview blew my mind. I, I'm still... I still can't believe it. And that was a really cool interview. And I, I can't wait to listen to part two. Yeah, I can't wait for everyone else to to hear it as well. It's going to be really, really good. We touch on Dance Electric and a few other things that were going on between then. One of his last times at Paisley, an experience wow. he had with uh, the baby's heartbeat, uh, Amir's heartbeat, the baby between Prince and Maite. We're going to get all into that. Very cool. Now let's just uh, dive in that last week, the, you know, it was a holiday weekend. So we kind of got a little bit of a delay on the sales, but Purple Rain oh, yeah. Deluxe um, sold 52,000 copies. Uh, pre- pretty decent, especially with the little promotion that they had. Cause a lot of people may have thought that, you know, the general public or whatnot that they bought purple rain after April 21st, 2016. They didn't know about this new version. Um, right. I don't think like how it was back in the nineties where he released a triple disc set that each disc counted as a sale. I do think that it's 52,000 is what sold together of the triple disc, the double disc, the one with the DVD, all the other stuff. It was, um, Number one, also in vinyl sales and on the soundtrack, you know. Oh, so very hit, cool. Yeah, it hit a lot of number one on different positions. You you bought the vinyl, right? Yeah, yeah. I got the vinyl. I got the picture disc. I wonder if they included the picture disc and the deluxe uh, vinyl in the same numbers. It's possible. It's possible. I mean... Warner seems to be pretty, pretty proud of it. They sent out, uh, they touted it of um, Princess Purple Rain catapults to number four on the Billboard Top 200 and touted that was number one on top soundtrack albums charts, number one on vinyl albums charts, number one top catalog albums charts. Now, vinyl has been having a big resurgence later, so they may have seen the numbers go quite well, and then they stepped up something. We're going to get into that in a minute when we talk about YouTube. I was talking about, you know, and then it's kind of like they were re-advertising it again to people. But Brain Deluxe includes two CDs, the original album, including the 2015 Paisley Park remaster, and from the vault and previously unreleased, with the Purple Rain Deluxe expanded edition, including the three CDs and one DVD, the two discs and Purple Rain Deluxe, plus a third CD of single edits and B-sides in the concert film on DVD, uh, Prince of Revolution Live at the Carrier Dome, Syracuse, New York, March 30th, 85. Uh, featuring previously unreleased studio versions. They say studio version. It should say studio versions of Electric Intercourse, Our Destiny, Slash Roadhouse, Garden, Father Song, and more. So it seems that they were real pleased about it. That's we cool. as fans are real pleased about it because we want to see more 
things like this. I had a friend over last night and he was like, can we get, can we get the 30th anniversary of, of for you? You know, can we get that remastered and then bonus stuff? And I'm like, they're probably looking at side of the times and parade. And he's like, they should be doing 1999 if they're going to do that next. And I went, I think I hear more from other people that sign the times needs a remaster first before anything else, you know? Yeah, I agree. So. The sound on that could use a little bit of a, a facelift. Right. So a day after it's announced of Purple Rain's chart position of number four in the top five of Billboard with very little promotion, in my opinion. Maybe that was smart from Warners because maybe the estate gets more money. We'll find out when they get that residual check. (laughs) (laughs) After that, it was announced that, ooh, Prince's video is a return to YouTube. Now, it's not like it was Fix Your Life Up or something special. It was When Doves Cry, uh, Let's Go Crazy, Purple Rain. They also had they also said live videos, but it was the Take Me With You and it was I Would Die For You slash Baby I'm a Star. So it's stuff that's all pre-existing from the Purple Rain, which to me is promotion for Purple Rain Deluxe. Look, it's great to see him on YouTube and then you get these people. Oh, Prince wouldn't want that. Prince wouldn't want that. Yeah. What's interesting is is Prince had a love hate relationship with YouTube. Fix Your Life Up debuted uh, through that format. Some other stuff that he did would be played, albeit when the Screwdriver video came out, it was released on his own website. But in 2009, September 14, 2009, I was sent something from Prince uh, for my website, drfunkenberry.com, for people just finding it. Oh, really? I was sent. Yeah. So in 2009, September 14th, um, this is what was sent. If this rumor is true, it's unprecedented. We're hearing rumors that YouTube is now paying Prince to have his music on their site. Prince, a longstanding opponent of YouTube, may have finally reached an agreement with a popular video website. Lately, Prince's latest videos and songs have been getting posted on YouTube, but wanting the videos not to be posted elsewhere and has disable the embed code to post on various websites you know now like facebook or my site so maybe easing off of them um so this is something that he has visited in the past he Hmm. just didn't like how little they were getting paid i had you know a discussion with him in 2012 about it because i didn't really understand why the videos were getting taken down or live videos, especially when there'd be really good live videos. And then he, I just said, that's promotion for people to see you in concert. I don't think anyone is going to see a clip of you in concert on YouTube going, I don't need to check out Prince live. I saw him on YouTube. I think it's just promotion that I need to see him live. And then he told me that if they want to go, they should go to the show. And then I said, but sometimes people want to take the show that they were at home with them. When they don't have that, that's what makes them film. That's what makes them do other things. And then he said to me, have them come to Paisley Park. I'll have Kirk play them the video of where they were at or the concert they were at. I'm like, they want it in their house. He's like, they can watch it in my house. So there was that. And then comments from 2009 on my website. Um, they were like, they were wanting like HD light quality videos. 
that a pro-level copy requires not a regular team fan with a Zenith mono VCR. And then some people were wanting to know if other artists were getting paid uh, to have their music played and just, and only Prince was, you know. But he was in constant battle because he was fighting for artists' rights and he felt that his videos should be himself that he should be paid more than other certain artists. I don't know if that agreement was reached maybe for just the Purple Rain videos. Maybe we'll see some stuff later. Uh, but it isn't anything that we haven't seen, but at least it's easier access. Yeah. Obviously, um, you can still find stuff on YouTube. Like today that we're recording, it was 23 years ago today that Prince made his first ever appearance on the Today Show performing Love Sign uh, with Nona Gay and the New Power Generation along with Maite. Uh, and that was his first ever appearance 23 years ago today. Looked it up on YouTube, posted it on the Facebook fan page, posted it on Twitter, posted a minute clip on Instagram. So those things are available to find and see. And speaking of the Today Show, I just find it interesting that his first appearance was 23 years ago today. And Tamron Hall who was not going to get a bigger role in the Today Show or other shows after um, when a person was hired from Fox to do some stuff. Tamron Hall was announced that she's going to be having her own weekday talk show uh, sometime in the fall, it looks like, possibly next year. So the first ever appearance that he's on the Today Show, 23 years later, it's announced what her next project's going to be. And we know that Prince probably would have been on her show. Oh, for sure, right? Yep, so congrats to Tamron Hall. Yeah. You know, big big ups. Uh, much love. You know that he would be so happy for you. There might have been a singing telegram or a call at 5 o'clock in the morning congratulating you. Uh, this isn't the same, but uh, we're very happy for you and very appreciative that you're around and getting this opportunity. So thank you. Much and love. it's hard to believe that it's been 23 years. Just, you know, when you hear something that happened 20 years ago, you don't think uh, in, in the 1990s, you know, it's it's crazy. But, wow, time flies. Yeah, big time. Uh, but we all, as long as we still look good and we're healthy, that's all that matters. That's right. 23 years. Yes. You know, <laughs> I still... I, I still got the sexy hair, so I'm good. <laughs> you know, facial hair is looking more on point. Anyway, <laughs> so back to the situation at hand. The YouTube, to me, that's just promotion for the Purple Rain set, which is still cool. Yeah. Another so thing that's... Huh. I was just, I was just going to add on there that... So this is really just a Warner Brother promotional tool. There's the estate probably didn't really have anything to do with it, and there's nothing really significant uh, there, right? I think they had agreed to it. Yeah. So I think it is done with the estate. I do think there was an agreement made. Who so, actually owns the videos? Is that Warner Brothers that owns the videos, the music videos? No. Okay. No. In 1992, when Prince signed that $100 million contract, mm -hmm. He was, um, his video catalog was separate from that. So he had to strike deals. Like the Dimes of Pearls video set that was released in around 2006, 2007 of the 3121 era was released through Rhino Records, not Warner Brothers. And he struck a deal, I believe, for a million dollars for that. 
So they're going to be having different video collections. And if you remember, because of that, of his videos of having to make a Warners would have to pay him to use them. It also caused um, him to release things without Warner Brothers permissions, official releases of the undertaker, official releases of the sacrifice of Victor. Uh, the, the beautiful experience was never officially released, but was played on Japanese television. And that's kind of right. where it got his thing, but right. he was able to, because Warners didn't own videos or it was a separate contract uh he didn't have to do that you know of course like there's still certain tie-ins like what he had with the prince that hits the b-side set that was put out he's also paid to have a hits dvd you know which wasn't a full anthology of things at all um but it was good for what it was so no warner brothers doesn't own that they'd have to come to agreements on it you know just like how they came to agreements with the remasters of him in 2014 was basically you get his masters back early but they would still own rights longer for purple rain for parade for the batman soundtrack which actually was with the warner film division and graffiti bridge as well um even with side the times that was not released to Warner Brothers. Warner's, after the poor um, showing of Under the Cherry Moon, really didn't want to touch it. So Prince released it through Universal slash Cineplex Odeon. So Universal and Cineplex Odeon only had the rights temporarily, and now it goes to other companies. That's why every few years you'll see these amazing like Japanese imports of the Sign of the Times movie, because they own the rights. I gotcha, would like yeah. to have everything under the same umbrella. But yeah, the videos is a separate entity, um, unless that has changed. That's as far as I'm aware, and that's why he was able to release video packages of new songs, but you weren't getting a pressed, beautiful experience. As you saw, he did release the Undertaker movie. He tried to release an Undertaker CD, Free With Guitar, World Magazine, and Warner's blocked him. They couldn't do anything about the videos, though. Yeah. So. Hmm. Um, Good to know. Yeah. That's why I think it may make the estate a lot of money to release a video collection and get some people on it that can try to transfer stuff to Blu-ray or put stuff to where you clean up the quality a lot more than they did with the with the Syracuse Revolution show. Please. Yeah. yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> Please. Now. Um, it's interesting. Uh, sorry. Uh, I just saw no. something and maybe you know something more about it. It looked like an official, not an official video, but a video that was released on Vimo or Vivo uh-huh. of the Houston. Uh, I think it's just one song from the Houston 1983 show. Did you see that? Well, it's, it's not Houston 83. Um, there is um, what you're probably talking about, which has been on YouTube for a while, but because someone owns the rights to it as the Capitol show, that's on YouTube, and I believe it's in black and white. With the Houston... I believe that's to take me with you from the 85 Purple Rain tour that's up there right now. Yeah. But they do have a thing. Yeah. That's from the 85. And again, that's take me with you. That's part of the Purple Rain era. So even though they're listing it as a live video, it actually is from Purple Rain. And uh, it was from uh, the Houston concert on the Purple Rain tour in 1985. So yeah, hopefully we'll get more videos, you know, uh, fix your life up and a few other things. But right now the emphasis is on purple rain and we all understand that and we understand why. So 
an emphasis on something, maybe they'll have the musicology video up on YouTube. Because nice at, <laughs> at Paisley Park, August 31st to September 3rd, Paisley Park is having a battle of the bands entitled Musicology, Real Music by Real Musicians. Yeah. Which sounds really cool. You know? Yeah. I like it. I like the sound of it. Um, you know, so it's basically they wanted people to send in videos and they were going to have a battle of the bands at Paisley Park. It'd be $100 to see these performances along with the Paisley Park tour. So you're getting a VIP tour, I believe, with that. So, and like three artists will perform and one winner will be selected each night between August 31st and September 2nd, with three overall winners advancing to the final band battle on Sunday, September 3rd. Between these three finalists, one artist will be crowned the champion and will receive a unique artist development award package consisting of studio recording time at Paisley Park. Wow. Number yeah. one, a mentorship with sessions with a session of members of Princess Supergroup, the new power generation, and additional career development opportunities soon to be announced. I like the sound of that. Love it. I love it. So, I, it's, it's, it's using Paisley Park what it was meant for, and it's for creativity and for developing new artists and nurturing that. And I think that's awesome. And the ability to record in Paisley Park, yes, we were talking about that. You know, a long time ago, asking, are they going to open up Paisley Park so people can still record? And this is great. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I think this is great. For those that don't know, Prince was kind of in a battle of the bands himself in the 70s. You know, and that's why in the spirit of the musicology event is rooted in the band battles that were commonplace in North Minneapolis. That's how they funked on the north side in the 1970s. Jam sessions among high school friends in basements and community centers, most notably the Way or Plymouth Avenue in North Minneapolis, evolved into these competitive band battles. Outdoor parks like North Commons, again, North Minneapolis in the house, Phelps Field Park, South Minneapolis, and the history is deep. The competitive spirit at that time helped push forward an incredible mix of musicians that included Prince, Andre Simone, Sonny T, Morris Day, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis and Jellybean Johnson, just to name a few. Ridiculous. And that eventually would make the freaking Minneapolis sound. So, and I remember in 2012 where uh, Prince was sending us um, rehearsals for his Welcome to Australia shows. And he kind of made a comment of like when they did Ice Cream Castles along with... um, (laughs) along with mutiny um he's saying will the time open up for us on the tour and then jerome benton hits me up like what's going on does he really wants to do the tour and i went he hasn't really said anything but what i think i'm getting here is he's kind of challenging you guys so right jerome and them weren't really down for that i'm like maybe he wants to battle the bands but on the internet he's like man that's stuff we did when we were kids you know i don't know about that and so they didn't want to do it i'm like just put up like a rehearsal thing that maybe you guys did from a couple years ago and we'll post it like this is the way to get prince's attention you know they didn't want to do it and then the family was kind of irked by it 
So then uh, Neil Richards, who I still believe is the manager of F Deluxe, formerly the family, contacted me along with St. Paul. And they kind of made this thing where they made fun of Hot Summer, which Prince released that wasn't released on the 2010 album. Um, but Prince released a few years before then. And they kind of put Hot Summer as background music for an ad for Menards, which is kind of like, oh Lord, you know, for, for your yard work or hardware store. So they, they kind of went that route instead, and I posted it. But I think Prince was, was trying to do a Battle of the Bands in 2012 online because they weren't really able to do it in person. So already there's people that think they know what Prince wanted. I personally think Prince would be down for that. And this is a way for Paisley to get money, to have different events going on. I like it. And just all these people, oh, Prince wouldn't want this. I'm like, how do you know? Like, these are things that were discussed, you know, in private and whatnot. But I personally feel that that's what he was trying to do in 2012, was kind of have a little bit of the battle of the bands kind of challenge the time, challenge the family of who would open up for him. And they didn't step up to the challenge, in his opinion. So yeah. that's no disrespect to the time, no disrespect to the family. I'm just trying to say that I believe this is something that he had an idea of a few years ago, first online. And, of course, he is incorporating online because the videos need to be sent to the official Paisley Park uh, Facebook page and posted. I believe they already started picking people. I'd love for Dream Car by Tony Canal to kind of enter it because – yeah, of course, it's a few members of No Doubt, but they don't have the exposure that they had when they were with No Doubt. So to me, that's kind of like a new band. I wonder if Donna Grantis is going to be in the mix of it because she's got a new album out. Her her band is debuting at the Dakota Jazz Club in Minneapolis August 4th. If you're in Minneapolis, make sure to check it out. Get a ticket. Let us know. Support Donna. She's amazing. And just go from there. But I really think he'd be behind this idea. Um I would love to be there. I'm not going to be there. I still support the event, and I just think it it's really cool. And it's another thing that's going to be going on at Paisley, so they're going to have other events, you know? Yeah, I'm just glad that they're starting to think outside the box, and they're not just getting into this, um, you know, this normal kind of, oh, we're just doing tours. No, they're thinking outside the box and thinking, what can we do for the fans? What can we do for musicians? They've already had the celebration now they're having this battle of the bands. That's before one year of being open. So I'm I'm happy for what they're doing. It sounds like Graceland is giving them a little leniency because I doubt Graceland really had much to do with any of these events. Uh, it right. sounds like that Paisley Park is really doing things. So good for them. They're trying and they're trying to get approval. It's going to be a process. Um, there are certain things that go on that we may not like. There are certain things that we have to do. But, you know, in your heart, this is what Prince wanted was Paisley Park to be open. We have to support it in different ways to make sure that Paisley never closes. Regardless Absolutely. of things that were done. That's you gotta look big picture here. You know, and that's what it comes down to. And that's what I always try to do and not my main thing is is if I'm gonna be critical, it's gonna be in a positive way to where there can be change. Or if they're is change that can be made if there isn't i'm not really going to speak on it there'll be a time to do that but right now i like what they're trying to do they're thinking outside the box they're trying to do different events and this is something that i think prince would uh be interested in and be involved in i mean he had local bands play 
uh, at Paisley and they have bands that you wouldn't even hear of before, like this group named Foe. So to me, this isn't really too far off of these bands being invited to play for Paisley and for him to check them out. I love the idea. I think it's genius. I'm sorry that some people are in agreement with it, but I like that they're thinking it. And I like the exposure that it got from Rolling Stone and Pitchfork and all these other things. I wish Access Live still had a a show like that so they could have covered it. But I'm liking it and I like the idea. So on that note, Chris. Yes. Are you ready? Why Why don't we talk with one of the people that were involved in these you know, Battle of the Bands. We're going to talk with Andre Simone and have our part two interview right now. I love it. Let's do it, man. All right, guys. Much love. Thank you so much for checking everything out. Here comes Andre interview part two. Keep it funky. Then after everything, you leaving the band, Mm. you're able to do things on your own. You got Mm -hmm. your own record deal. You had artistic freedom, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Now, what was some of your favorite moments from doing these albums, living in the new wave? Mm-hmm. And, you know, because you were, you were kind of ahead of your time with mm-hmm. the sound. And I know you weren't being appreciated as much <laughs> no, at no, that no. time. Yeah, no. Now, hopefully through time, you definitely have more appreciation from an audience. You know, they should have known what yeah. you're doing then. Who knows? I mean, you know, it, I think my, and I, I won't say, I don't want to say problem, but my mm-hmm. My concept was at that point, and, and still is at this to, to this day, is I just wanted to make a record that was nothing like anything else. You know, that right. was my goal. You know, when I did my first album, I was like, I was like, you know, most people think, oh, I want to make a hit. You know, I want to, I want right. to, you know, fit right in with everybody. That was never my goal. I, I just, you know, I'm, you know, I'm an art. I want to think that I'm an artist. Right. And as an artist, I just want to create something original. Uh-huh. And I think I was able to, you know, to do that with. To this day, there's nothing like living in a new way. There's nothing like any of the songs, like you know, surviving right. in the '80s. There's nothing like any of that stuff. Right. Period. You know, and I'm proud of that. Whether you know, the record company didn't wasn't crazy about it because they wanted hits and they wanted to sell and they wanted to be just like what Prince was doing and you know, right. just like and they were like they couldn't understand why aren't you doing stuff like that? Because I'm not him, and I'm doing me. Right. You know. And, you know, they said, but you've got songs. you played me songs like that. That's, I said, yeah, but that's not what I want to do. And so we went back and forth and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, they, to the point where I was like, look, why, why don't you guys let me off? Because you guys are not, you know, promoting me. You're not, you know, um, mm. you know understanding what I'm trying to do. Because what I'm doing, yeah, it's different. But it doesn't mean people wouldn't be feeling it if you actually got behind it. Right. So anyway, I, I was like, you know, they wouldn't get behind it. Finally, and, you know, I finally said, Either let me off or I'm just not going to record anymore. They wouldn't let me off, so I stopped recording. Wow. And that's it. And then I started producing, and first thing, you know, I think first thing was Evelyn Champagne King, uh-huh. and then uh, then Jody, and then, you know, Jody's stuff took off, and, you know, then Adamant, and then I did a bunch of Tina right. Turner and Tom Jones, a bunch of stuff. And, and Jody's yeah. hugest hits were with you producing them and working on them, which is amazing. I mean... A lot of people don't realize that. They go back and look at her catalog, and even you're featured in some of her videos. It's not like you yeah. were in hiding. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. You know, but some people don't know that. Yeah, they don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm just... We're here I'm, to school. Yeah, I'm not a... I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a different kind of person. I'm just... Right. You know, I'm not about glamour, and I'm not about uh-huh. having to be up in the front, and, you know. I mean, I actually prefer, to be honest with you, being, 
you know, um, more back and, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and just doing what I do. But, I mean, I love to perform. You know, I mean, I always have. I mean, I was doing talent shows when I was like, you know, seven, eight, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. I was that kid that, you know, was like, go out there and do the James Brown. And I was doing quarter parties and, you know, just crazy stuff when I was a kid. Now, with what happened with Do Me Baby, then you going on your own, how did the dance electric come to be? He just basically hit you up and said, hey, I have this song. Do you want it? Pretty much almost just like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much hit me up and said, hey, I got this song. Do you want it? And, you know, oddly enough, I said no first. I was like, you know, I mean, because I was, you know, I was, you know, I was like, man, I'm doing my own thing. Right. And I was totally into my own thing, blah, 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 blah. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, um, you know, um, he's like, you know, man, you know, it's perfect for you because he, you know, you know, again, knowing knowing me as he does, you know, and, and revisiting the song as I've, I've done just over the last couple of weeks. Right. Um, it's very Andre. You know, because mm-hmm. I'm very, I've always been very vocal about civil rights right. and, you know, protests. And I've always been, you know, basically militant, you know. Um, and so, you know, and if you listen to the lyrics to Dance Electric, it's in that vein. And so I, you know, and, you know, I really, you know, appreciate it more now after he's gone, oddly enough, than I did when he, you know, asked me to do it. Because, right. you know, I mean, I, I think what... You know, I mean, when he asked me to do it, I was like, you know, I, I was like, and went back and forth. And then obviously I mentioned to my manager and they think they thought it was a great idea Then I mentioned it. And then he mentioned to the record company, they thought it was a wonderful idea. All of a sudden, everybody's, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, which is great, you know. Um, and so I was like, yeah. And so he came down because and, and, um, I was uh, at Ocean Way doing the album and he came down with his dad, which was great because me and his dad are real, were real, real tight. And so it was great to see him, you know, um, and, and so we just, you know, he had already had it recorded and, you know, I, you know just, man, you just, all you got to do is a vocal on it and, you know, and that was it. You know, we right. did the vocal and we just kind of, you know, hung out and jammed a little bit, you know, and that was it. Craziness. Yeah. And the song, <clears throat> unlike some of the other ones that he'd done for other artists or, mm-hmm. you know, you recorded, it's still on point today, mm-hmm. yeah. especially with everything that's going on. Yeah, no. You know, it's a great song. And your voice, being the voice of that, is mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, thank you. You know, and it's one of our favorites. Awesome. You know, so you. we appreciate it. What's interesting was is he started putting it back in his set list in mm-hmm. 2012. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I was never playing it. So, I mean, it's his song. You know right. I mean? Bottom line is it's his song. So what's, I'm like, I was glad to see him playing it, you know, because. What's you know. interesting with that, and I don't know if you know this story, but. Like in 2009, 2010, I went mm-hmm. to Amoeba Records here in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Going through the used vinyl section at the beginning. Usually go through everything else, what, I, what I'm looking for, what I'm feeling at the time. <clears throat> and just going just through the used vinyl that's all at the beginning of the soul, I find this just white record, mm-hmm. white label, nothing. It just says Andre Simone, Dance Electric, June 7th, 1985. It's an acetate record of a 12-minute version of the song. And I'm like, I don't have a record player. But I know this isn't what's out there. I know the 7-inch version is maybe around 7, 8 minutes long. Excuse me, the 12-inch. It's not no 12-minute version. I have no idea what I have. I buy it. Then about two years go by, hit up my friend Howie, who used to DJ for Prince, Mm -hmm. and be like, hey, man, I got this record. Can you play it? And then record it if there's anything on there. He calls me like at 3 o'clock in the morning. He's like, dude, around the six-minute part, 
it's stuff I never heard before. Yeah. And it's just, you hear Wendy and Lisa, you hear him, you hear your vocals yeah. over it. Yeah. And we're just blown away. Unfortunately, I was on hard times and someone wanted to purchase it for $800. And I bought it for $1.99. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah. <clears throat> so I turned around, but I asked a guy, I go, hey man, do you mind if I put it up on my SoundCloud just see people's reactions? Put it up. Next thing I know, they're doing Welcome to Australia rehearsals. Mm. Prince is calling uh, me through his manager, Julie, at the time. Mm. Hey, we got something for him. Mm. Like, just wait up. Waited five hours for them to finish mixing it. Then he sends me this, like, 17-minute version of, like, Dance Electric mixed with a, a few other things. Wow. And he's like, this is, this is tour rehearsals for Welcome to Australia. So we put that on there. I think your label was upset that I had it on there because they were planning on reissuing Dance Electric. <laughs> so they weren't too happy about it, but mm. it added to the set list. And I just thought that was cool because then later on in the year, after doing Jimmy Kimmel, he invites you over to the Sayers Club mm. and you guys end up performing it together. Yeah. And I just thought it was just cool that they really knew the song, they were yeah. rehearsing it. Yeah. It's like everything was meant to be. And it was just because... Yeah. I was lazy and didn't have my own record player, and yeah. I had to give it to someone else. Going, hey wow. man, I'm just been on this for yeah. a few years. That is so dope. I didn't. That's that's a great. Story. And I just didn't understand what the because I think it was recorded at a different time, but it literally said maybe the asset tape was made then, but it said yeah. June seventh, nineteen eighty five. Right. I was just like, that's craziness. Yeah. Wow. You know? June seventh. That's his birthday. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I'm just like, where's this coming from? And I had to like look up stuff online and just stuff wasn't matching. And I went, okay, do I have a fake here? Yeah. But when my friend recorded, he goes, oh no, it's it's authentic. Yeah. And it was awesome. I mean, I can't get enough of that song. And of course, you got yeah. the Purple Rain Deluxe coming out yeah. and it has his version his on version, it. Yeah. But you're still here, thankfully. And mm -hmm. you can still do that song and you can have this message from everything going on, including what's on 1969. Because right. your message still needs to be heard, yeah. you know? And we appreciate it. Now, with all the production you did for Jody Wally and other artists, what are you most proud of that you produced for another artist? For another artist, oh uh, man, that's a that's a tough one. Um, hmm. You know, most proud of. You know, I I think I'd have to say, I did. Uh, I produced this Kuwaiti artist. Um, I mean, the record was independent, and, you know, I'm not sure what happened with it. But she's an amazing artist, amazing voice. And from her country, because she escaped from Kuwait when Saddam Hussein had invaded and all that kind of stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, women in her country aren't allowed to sing, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I was actually, you know, I produced a, an album for her. And she was so, her and her family were so appreciative. Her father... And her mother came from from Kuwait, and they presented me with this oud and and uh, distasha and and you know it was a big it was like in you know Kuwaiti newspapers and but it was I was really proud to be able to give somebody like that the opportunity. Um, I mean, I don't I don't want to say the opportunity, but to just give them um, you know a, you know. Some serious production and right. you know, and let them realize a vision that they had. Because I mean, as a producer, I, I don't I don't try to go in and make somebody my kind of thing. I try to, mm -hmm. you know, do realize their dream, realize their mm -hmm. um, vision. You know, I think that's you know sign of a good producer is somebody who, you know, doesn't you know impart too much of their own thing onto it. You know, it's like right. you just let artists be artists and let them paint, and you just sort of guide them and make sure that you know. 
you know, they go in, you know, you know, um, the direction that is strongest right. for them as an artist. So, yeah. And then you stepped away for a while being, you know, a lead singer yourself or mm -hmm. just release your own material. Then you released Stone, you released 1969. What made you want to record again? Did you fall out of love with it originally or did you just like producing for other artists? You know, I could tell you, I could, you know, I could say, do you want the real answer? To you? <laughs> I think the, the real, the real answer is to be honest with you. Um, I honestly felt like because, you know, mm. you know, me and Prince were so tight and he had kind of been doing his thing, you know, and I mm. felt like, oh, you know, we're both from Minneapolis. It's kind of like, right. eh, you don't really need two guys doing stuff like that, you know, even though I can tend to do stuff that's way kind of away from all that kind of stuff. Mm. But I also, I always felt like, you know, you know, um, and, you know, I think, you know, which is why I, you know, stopped doing interviews, but I, you know, I just felt like, you know what, you know, everything is cool. I like the idea of producing. But one day Prince was on and he was talking to, I think it was Jay-Z in some, you know, award show. He's like, he was like passing the torch. Mm. And I was like, well, oh, he's done. You know, because it sounded like, you know, he was, you know, it's in good hands. And, and I'm thinking, mm. oh. And so I thought, you know what? I need to start doing stuff because if he's mm. thinking like that, then, you know, maybe I need to come back and start doing some stuff. And that's when I started, you know, really kind of, you know, deciding and writing and, and right. putting people together. And, you know, um, my, my wife is my manager as well. And she was always telling me, you got to do another record. You got to do whatever you want, blah, 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 blah. And there's been people, you know, trying to, you know, get me to do stuff because people right. who are around, I mean, I never stop writing. I, I write ferociously. I write way, way, way more songs than I ever in this lifetime or the next I'll ever be able to do. Right. So, you know, um, so yeah, so that's kind of what it was. And someone brought that up yeah. when we put it up to the questions earlier. Someone wanted to know how many songs did you have to choose from from 1969? Oh, man. Uh, before making up your... It's it's really hard because, I mean, I think for that album, for this last album, mm -hmm. probably about 20-something, 20 24, 25, something like that. I had to narrow it down. The Stone was worse. The Stone was 67 songs. You know, I had to narrow it down from 67 to like 40 to 20-something. And then finally, to, I think I wound up doing, I think, 14 songs or something like that. But, yeah. All right, some of these questions, we'll go back into it. Now... After April 21st, 2016, everything changes. I saw you at the memorial service. Mm -hmm. That was tough. Yeah. Now, the revolution announced that they're going to do some shows. Who reached out to who to make that happen, to where you were performing with them at the First Avenue shows? Well, Bobby reached out and, uh -huh. and asked me if I would, uh, if I would, you know, if I would be involved. And right. again, you know, no. <laughs> I was like, no, it's too soon. Right. You know, um, because I just, you know, I just thought it was too soon. Um, and, uh, but he, you know, he asked again and, you know, said, you know, you got to do, you got to, you know, Bobby did what Bobby does. Right. And he asked me, you, you got to do this, man. It's got to be, you know, it's going to be great. You gotta, you, you love it. Because you, right. you'll know, you'll understand. It'll be great. You'll, right. So I was like, you know, um, then I thought about it and I thought, you know what? You know, um, and I was reading a lot of stuff that fans were writing and th people were saying. And because at the time there was a lot of, um, 
you know, I think Sheila Lee had done some sort of a thing on one of the award shows, and then D'Angelo mm-hmm. had done something on award shows, and Madonna had done something on award shows, and right. you know, people were doing stuff, and you know, I mean, and you know, I mean, great artists, all of them, but they were kind of missing the mark, I thought, just in terms of, you know, really kind of, right. you know, you know, capturing, you know, that kind of spirit of, you know, so that his fans could feel like, you know, they they felt like they connected. And I thought that it was important from that standpoint. And then I was reading what fans were saying. Mm-hmm. They were saying they'd love for Andre Simone to be involved in blah, 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 blah. And I thought, you know what? You know, I need to put whatever my thing is aside and just, you know, because, again, you know, I mean, right. you know, Prince is a really, really special person to me. You know, and I, I really take friendship. I don't have very many friends and I never have. So I take stuff like that extremely, you know, serious. And so, I mean, I just thought, you know what? This dude, you know, really meant a lot to me. And he means a lot to a lot of people. And I thought it would mean a lot to a lot of people if I stepped up, you know, and, and did those shows. And so, you right. know, I said, yeah. I mean, I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it. So I did it. And then now you're touring with the MPG about to do shows overseas. Right. Not sure what happened between the revolution and the MPG. I don't know if you want to <laughs> clarify that or we can just say you're with the MPG now. You know, it's not like that. I don't mind clarifying anything. I'm not, I don't uh, hide from anything. I'm not that kind of person. I'm very, very blunt, very upfront. And I could, uh, I could care less if somebody doesn't like something I say because, you know, I don't, I don't live for what other people think. Right. You know, I just do what I do. And, you know, the reality is, you know, um, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to air any kind of dirty laundry or anything like right. that. But, you know, um, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, things were done with right. respect and with honor, and that's all, you know. Um, and, you know, MPG stepped up and asked me if I would, you know, um, do some shows with them, and, you know, and I asked a couple of questions. It was very, very respectful and very honorable, right. and I was like, absolutely, you know. Um, and so, yeah. Because it's, it's crazy, because you have the revolution is about to play here on Friday when mm-hmm. this is being recorded, and right. I put the question to people, you know, open up the form for them to ask you questions. And people are like, does he plan on joining the revolution on stage this Friday or at least being at the show? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think you're going to be, you're going to be flying to Minneapolis this Friday. Yeah. We start rehearsing with the MPG to do the European show. No, I wouldn't, you know, I mean, good for, you know, hey, look, you know, revolution, wonderful, great. You know, I won't be there. Now, someone wanted to know, um, he's always wondered if you have a favorite venue or city that you love to perform in that always shows the love to you. God, you know, I got to say, you know, it's hard, but Detroit is like, well, I mean, you know, throughout my whole career, and definitely Prince's, you know, when we're going back to, you know, when we first started, mm-hmm. I think Detroit, you know, got it right away. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, even our even our hometown took a minute to get it, you know, to get mm-hmm. what we were trying to do early on, you know, and, and, and it's, you know, it's easy to, you know, once something becomes successful, you know, people talk about, you know, you know, how great, you know, it was when, you know, it was like this band or that band or whatever. But I don't know that there would have been a this band or that band if we hadn't gotten things right in the beginning. Right. And I think Detroit had a lot to do with understanding what we were trying to do because we were definitely doing something different, you know, because people, you know, I mean, we'd first come out, People literally, I, I thought for the first couple of songs, people hated us, hmm. you know, and it was not, you know, comfortable, but because, 
you know, definitely, again, you know, the attitudes that I had, the attitude he had, I think we sold it. We were able to just go out there and so by about the third or fourth song, people were like, oh, now I get it. But huh. Detroit, I'd have to say Detroit got it. They always got it. Every time we went there, that's why we played there so much. Because every time we'd go there, they always showed mad, mad love, hmm. you know, for what we were trying to do. And, you know, I mean, it meant a lot, you know, I think just to give us the, you know, the courage and the, the um, I think the enthusiasm and to just give us, you know, that sort of confidence hmm. to go out and do it, you know, around the world, around the country and around the world. Motor boogie for sure. Yeah. Now another one, um, Teresa wanted to know, how does Andre feel about being on the road for an extended period of time? Is it different or is it harder now? What would Andre's older self tell his younger self <laughs> as advice for future? Talking to younger musicians. But um, first thing, how does Andre feel about being on the road for an extended period of time? Um, I don't know that I would be on a, on the road for extended period of time. I mean, you know, I mean, because, you know, I love my family and, you know, I mean... I'm blessed, very, very blessed. I have amazing, you know, kids and an amazing family and grown kids. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, so I'm lucky and blessed in, in that respect. So, I mean, but being on the road for a long time, that's, you know, as long as it's cool with, you know, those who care about me. Right. Um, I love to go out and perform because right. that's, that's what I, you know, that's, I think that's what I was born to do is perform and write music and write, period, write stories. And that's, you know, I'm lucky. I'm blessed and I was given... A gift, and I I thank you know God all the time for blessing me in that respect. So I mean, going on the road if if the situation is is good and makes sense because I'm very very, you know I, I I'm in you know I take care of myself you right. Know, so. And the second question that she had, um, what would Andre's older self tell his younger self as advice for future talking to younger musicians? You know, my older self would tell my younger self. <laughs> That's a that's a really good question. Um, Cause I was always telling myself stuff all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But my older self would probably tell my younger self, man, probably understand the business. You know, mm-hmm. really, you know, because my brother um, would bring books and stuff like that in for both Prince and myself. And um, you know, I think Prince probably read them a little more than I did. I was out doing, you mm-hmm. know be my little hustling self, I would have told my younger self, you need to pay a little more attention in them books and a little less attention to some of that other extracurricular stuff you was getting, getting yourself involved right. in. But that's probably what I'd probably tell myself. All right. Danny wants to know when's the new album going to be on vinyl and where can he order it? Well, uh, I think there's um, a European release September 1st, uh-huh. and they're, they're putting out um, the vinyl version. But we'll, we'll have it. We'll definitely have it here in the States and, you know, um, and, uh, you know, um, when it's available, I'm sure andresimone.bandcamp.com, you'll be able to get it there. And so, yeah. Cool. Another thing, a uh, question that Sarah has, what are your top favorite, top five favorite bands? Top five favorite bands of all time or just like now or back in the day? Because if it's all time. We're going to do all time. Man, um, obviously, I love Sly and the Family Stone. Right. I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, I love In Living Color. Um, uh, you know, um, going back again. Uh, um, God, uh, I used to love the Ohio, Ohio Players. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that? Four? Let's see. Right about there. 
Shoot, man. Uh, is there anyone currently that you want to add to that list? Yeah, there's, there's lots of people currently. Right. I mean, well, here's the thing. Currently, you have so few people who actually right. play. You got DJs and people who don't even play real music. So, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, there's stuff that I listen to that's hip hop and stuff like that and all kinds of other. I mean, I listen to all sorts of stuff, but, you know, um, you know, um, you know, I mean, I, I, band, though, but because right. if it's specifically a band, you know, um, you know, because there's, you know, there's, it, there's like, I mean, I love Gary Clark Jr., but he's not a band. I love right. James Blake, but he's not a band. Um, I like Kendrick Lamar, but he's not a band. I like Charles right. Gambino, but he's not a band. Um, mm. So band... Uh, yeah. It's hard for it's, people to be in a band because then the record label wants the money. That's why getting these solo artists. But a lot of people, you mentioned Gary Clark Jr., mm -hmm. he can't play without a band, but an amazing guitarist. Yeah. Childish Gambino, you know, for people just describing him, and now he's going to retire right. from recording. Yeah, that, yeah. He's taking away from us, man. Yeah. Bring it back, Donald. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a few. You are right. Yeah. It, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know... Um, Fishbone's coming back. I mean, I always I used to love going to see them. Um, right. But yeah, I'm just trying to think just currently, what's the current band? I mean, I like um, you know, Coldplay's a dope band. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, uh oh man, it's uh the roots, you know, I mean, yeah, but they back a lot of different people. I mean, because I love Lauren Hill. I mean, I like right. I love Erica Badu. I mean, it's just hard to say because it's so trying to think of bands, you know, I mean. Mm -hmm. I know I'm probably just missing, you know, Mint Condition, but you know I don't know I don't know if there's still a band anymore because I know Stokely's doing the Revolution. I don't right. know if he's I think he's doing a solo thing. So yeah, I don't know. I mean bands. That's yeah. Uh, I think you answered you answered it quite well <laughs> as much as you could. All right. Now I'm glad we asked some 1969 questions. Um, what was the decisive factor in not letting the title track, 1969, be the closing song on the album? You know, that's a really, really good question because that's something that I really thought about, you know, because mm. um, that's how originally, that's how it ended. I mean, it's, right. you know, but I just thought, you know, because um, the album is 1969 and I didn't want it to end like that. I just thought it should end with something that really kind of, you know, exemplifies kind of the vibe of a wild 1969 kind of, thing a, a ride and i just want right. to end with the ride as opposed to end with the you know the 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 message because i really wanted to i just didn't want to you know i just want to i want things to be positive i want things to go in that better direction as opposed to you know um because the, the whole thing but behind 1969 is it's a broken record if you listen to it when you hear mm -hmm. at the end you hear that the first broadcast is new the last broadcast is old, and it's just saying right. that it's the same thing. And in between is a broken record, so it's subliminal, you know. But right. it's it's it is what it is. I really like how the album starts off with the FM dial and all that stuff. Yeah. Andrea Swenson, who says stuff in the credits, yeah. she's spot on in her yeah. review of it. So it's really great. Yeah, she's cool. And another one: what is the meaning behind point and click? The meaning behind point and click is kind of you know, where we're at with music, you know, because I think, you know, um, people have, music has gotten marginalized, you know, I mean, people don't really, it's like background noise, mm. you know, it's like background music, and, you know, and what people don't understand is music 
is probably the most powerful, you know, um, art form that's available. Right. You know, but because it's been taken over by corporations and corporately re, you know, combobulated, it's just, it's turned into something that's just, it's just bad, you know, and I just think that people need to step back and, and reconnect with what music is really all about, the art of music and its power. Because I think, you know, and the, the idea behind point and click is that, you know, you know, people are point and clicking and they're trying to get it for free. You're going to point and click artists like myself out of business. And e eventually you're not going to have, you know, people like myself that are able, I mean, it's already that way now because, you know, we have to, you can't really, we can't afford to really record you know, because you got to pay for it. You know, recording studios are all shutting down and closing. And, you know, I mean, it's becoming, and I don't think people realize they are point and clicking, you know, this art form out of business. It's going to turn into something different, you know, very, very soon. I mean, right. I just know for myself, it's, you know, it's hard to, you know, performing is interesting. Recording is interesting. You know, um, mm. you know, it's just, you know, record companies, have a monopoly, you know, and now, I mean, record companies are basically made a deal with cell phone companies, and, you know, you're just part of a cell phone plan. You know, that's what music has become, a part of yeah. a cell phone plan. It's no longer, uh, 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 you know, an art form that it deserves, and corporations are happy because they can all, they can control it, and, they, and that's the reason why you always hear the same 10 artists on every radio say, I'm surprised that people are good with that. You know, the same 10 little artists, and they're always the same thing. And then they always get somebody new because guess why? Right. They're naive. They do a sign a three-album deal, and by the time they get to three albums, they're smart. And they go, hey, I want more. You're fired. Next. And they find the next little kid that's right. willing to do anything. And that's why it's the way that it is. It ain't about art. You know, and so it loses its power anyway. Marginalized, and that's the reason. Yeah, and that's why I very rarely listen to radio now. I have other people yeah. send me music or labels or whatnot want me to listen to it and I ask for physical copies and yeah I do put it into my iPod but mm -hmm. I make sure that an iPod instead of my phone yeah you know just so the tracks aren't wimpy mp3s oh yeah and that's the can. other thing is the sound yeah. is horrible and then satellite I mean if you ever listen to music on a satellite system mm -hmm. you know in your car you, you, yeah, people are happy with no right I mean I used to have I mean that was my thing I used to have the dopest sound systems I had quad speakers and all in my bedroom when mm. I was a kid growing up you know I mean you know I had to it was hooked up you know and and when I put on you know Marvin Gaye or whoever it was and mm. you know whoever whatever band at the time was like I mean you could feel it you you went on that journey when you put that right. record on and I would go out and buy like a Stevie record put that on and I just go on that journey because that's what it was about it was like this artist mm -hmm. took the time to create this record to send us on this journey. Right. You know, and you put it on, turn on the lights or whatever you want to do, and you take that journey. They don't do that. You, nobody does that now. Right. It's just, oh, it's, it's, it's on the radio. It's, it's Taylor Swift. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's Band-Aid. <laughs> it's like, what? I mean, nothing, yeah. nothing against. It's all good. But, you know, but I just think <laughs> it's just, I, it just, it just blows my mind that people are good with some of the stuff that they're good with. Because I just think music is so powerful. The messages, I mean, you know, you couldn't have a, you know, these days, somebody like Jimi Hendrix wouldn't get a deal. We'd never hear him. Somebody like, I mean, Sly and the Family Stone, you'd never hear him these days. Right. It would just wouldn't happen. You know, the list goes on and on. Even Prince, you know, if he came out now, you know, he'd probably get, you know, 
I, there's no telling. That's you know? that's what upset him. So, like he was, he would tell me that extra lovable. He can't get a hit with it. Yeah. But if another artist did it with that horn section, yeah, you, you know it'd be a huge hit. Yeah, but, I mean it, it's just and it, it, and that's terrible. wrong. That doesn't even make sense because it's right. art. And when people start to appreciate music as art again, as opposed mm -hmm. to just entertainment. Then you know we'll be back in business. If right. if, if that ever happens, that'll be a beautiful thing because I think people are missing out, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that there's a lot of artists that mm -hmm. are really amazing, that are somewhere working at you know, Denny's or something because it's over. You know right. they don't there's, they they'll, they'll make more money doing anything else other than music, and that's a sad, sad. that's a, that's that's sad for our yeah. for society. <clears throat> now when I saw your show at the Sayers Club this weekend. You were doing Naked from the Stone. This person mm -hmm. wants to know that they feel the Stone is such a strong album. Mm -hmm. What made you choose the Naked track as part of the set list? And how did it beat out songs like Let Your Sunshine, The Horseman, uh, Live Life in One Day? Mm. Wow, that's, that's another great question. Um, mm -hmm. But here's the thing, you know, I mean, in my show, because it's, you know, I mean, it's the 1969 live music experience kind of thing, you know? Right. And, you know, and... 2016 was a crazy year. It was a crazy year. I mean, you know, we lost some amazing people. I mean, I'm a big, big, huge David Bowie fan. Um, and I love the song um, Hallelujah. Um, and so, you know, I mean, and obviously Prince, just that's, you know, that's my blood. Right. You know, um, and so, you know, I have to do, I have to do, you know, just a mm -hmm. tribute in my show to him, to, to David Bowie, to, uh, to Leonard Cohen. Um, and I can't do everything, you know, and so I do some of those. And, you know, I mean, Naked, you know, because what Naked stands for, what Naked represents is, is you know, I mean, I have a tattoo that says strip, which is a concept that I have, which is the same as Naked. It's like, you know, if you mm -hmm. strip everything away, all the houses and buildings and cars, what's important, you know, if you strip Naked? Just what's important? You know what 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 means something to you? That's how I always evaluate what's important to me. If I take all this stuff, material stuff away, that's how I decide what's really important, what's worth doing, what's worth. What is this person? Because it just it really comes down to people, right. you know, and family and things. You know, it's, it makes it easy. But so naked was obviously a great representation to me because I think it's for one thing, it's a it's a fun song to play. Whenever I play it, people really love and they respond to it. Right. I mean, but I, you know, I mean, that's a great question because Live Life is a great song. Um, the Horseman's a great song. I mean, they're great songs, but you can't do them all. Yeah. Another question, will breathing in, breathing, breathing mm -hmm. out, breathing, breathing in be added? Right. You know, it should be because that's, that's, that's a cool song. Yeah, I love, right. that's one of my favorite songs. And it's, I mean, that's one song that, you know, out of all the songs on this album that I was looking forward to playing to Prince, you know, because, you know, out of, you know, I mean, just he was the one person when I was doing this song, you know, I was thinking, mm -hmm. oh, I can't wait to play this to Prince. Because he was the one person that I knew could really appreciate what was going on in that song. Because there's mm -hmm. some guitar stuff, if you listen to it, that mm -hmm. I'm doing on 12 string and some other stuff that, you know, it's just, you know, you know, people who are guitar players and, you know, who really understand, you know, what's going on would be, would really connect with that and I was I was really looking forward to playing to that because that's right. what he and I used to do a lot of times he'd call me like when he did Sign of the Times and a couple other records he would call me and man you gotta hear this and I would if I was in town I'd come there or whatever and you know I'd hear right. it before it came out and he'd give me his you know, 
man, what do you think? You know, we'd go back and forth. And I did the same thing with a couple of things I was working on. And right. that was one, this was one of those times where I was looking forward to doing that. And the interesting thing is the day I was uh, going into to finish the album was April 21st. Mm. Yeah. And the album was supposed to come out in June and, and it just, everything changed. I just put right. everything on hold Yeah, and just, uh, just sat and just, you know, couldn't believe that that's what was going on. Yeah. Now I know, you know, talking about Prince bringing, wanting you to listen to certain things, uh, you were think you were talking about a little bit on Facebook Live or before we went on about how he wanted to play you tracks from around Emancipation when you just married Maite and listened to that one song with uh, the baby's heartbeat in it for Sex in the Summer. No, he didn't play me tracks. No, 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 no. It was uh, no, nothing, nothing like that. Um, I was in town because, I mean, one of the things that was kind of an... I mean, I guess it's a good thing and a bad thing, but my mom was on the board of directors of K KMOJ. Mm -hmm. So whenever I would come in town, whether I wanted it or not, my mom would have them announce on the radios, Andre's in town! And so, you know, everybody <laughs> you know, in the city would always know whenever I breezed in. And I, half the time, I'm trying to sneak in and, you know, because... Right. But uh, yeah, I could never get... But anyway, he found out I was in town and, and, and he said, you got to come down, I want you to hear something. And I'm thinking, you know, he's going to play me, you know, um, you know, some a record, an album. You know, I come and he plays me the heartbeat. And it's like, this is my baby. This is my, you know. And, and I'm like, wow. And like, and it was even, it was in an office on a computer. Yeah, it was just, wow. you know, yeah. Um, and I was like, wow. And I was like tripping because, you know, I mean, you know, and my at the time my son Ari was, you know, had just been, he was, you know, really young. I don't remember exactly, you know, when. Um, but I remember him you know, saying, you know, maybe our kids will play together and blah, blah, blah. And then he showed me the nursery, which had all these toys. And right. and it was just, you know, I mean, and, and you know, to it was it was just a very, very special, special thing. And uh, but, yeah, no, I didn't I didn't, he didn't, you know, he did play me. Um, was it Betcha by Golly? Wow. Or something like that. Yeah. The stylistics cover. Yeah. 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 He played me some of that and some of that stuff. But, you got to hear the heartbeat. Yeah. Before the track, that's that's amazing. That's no, a story it was, in itself. Yeah. Um, no, it really was. Now back to 1969. Were mm. all the tracks recorded in studio? Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, all of them except I think three. Mm. I recorded in my own home studio, which was obviously 1969. I did in my mm. own home studio, and uh, is that you? I did in my own home studio, and Black Man in America, which is featuring Mick Murphy from the System. Because he came in town and I had him, uh, you know, I was just playing him the groove. He's like, oh, man, you got to let me do something on that. I was like, well, what you got? I put up the microphone. He's like, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like to be back in America. Ha, ha, ha. I was like, that's dope. And so I recorded that and had him stack it. And, you know, we did it together. In fact, there's a little clip that we posted, you know, and like right when we did it. And people were probably, what's that from? And, you know. <laughs> That's what that was from. And uh, also William Dowdy, original member from Grand Central, is uh, playing bongos on that. So he's uh -huh. featured playing bongos. So, you know. See. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to try to see if I can get him out to uh, to play at, uh, when we play in Minneapolis, I'd love to have him come out and, you know, cool. maybe do a couple songs with me if, if, if he's feeling it. That's awesome. Yeah. There's someone as well wanting to know when you're going to come back to New York. I think you mentioned that earlier. Yeah, um, keep an eye. I think we're going to do the Bowery Electric. Um, I'm not exactly sure the absolute date, but it's going to be um, probably um, 
Yeah, I, I'll, I'll keep keep it looking because it's going to be you know it's going to be re- relatively too. soon. Yeah, it's going to be soon. Probably right when I come back from uh, we're doing the turf club and then we're going to go right after that. So you know, you know, July maybe first you know, first week in August, end of cool. July, right around there. But you know, we'll we'll let everybody know. And yeah, you'll that, I'd appreciate that. Definitely, we'll let people know as well. Here's another top five thing. Mm-hmm. They want to know where are the top five things that inspire you. You know, people, people um, inspire me. Just, you know, I, I love the people watch. Kids inspire me. Um, uh, art, you know, um, just paintings, you know, um, inspire me. Um, mm-hmm. Stories inspire me. News inspires me. You know, obviously, you know, what's going on in the news inspires me a lot because I'm a news junkie. Right. Um, but living life, I mean, life, you know, I, I get out and do stuff. I mean, you know, I just, I'm a very active, you know, person. I just get out. And I mean, I ride, I ride the aqueduct and, you know, do all that kind of stuff and, you know, ride the beach mm-hmm. and Venice Beach and just stroll and ride through and just, you know, I'm, I'm in the fabric. So, you know, I'm inspired by all kinds of stuff because I just right. try to expose myself to it. And I was just in, in, and I have to say, I mean, you know, going to, I was just in Copenhagen and and that place is magical, man. And uh, I saw Niall uh, Sheik did a did a thing there, and I mm-hmm. got got a chance to holler at Niall, and we got to talk about when we first met and all that kind of stuff, which was really cool. But yeah, um, everything. I mean, life inspires me. I don't know why they're going this route. They they want to know if you have a bucket list. If so, what's on it that you have done, and what's on it that you've yet to do. You know, I don't know that I have a bucket list. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good thing because I mean, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I, I believe in living life. I mean, that's what that song is all about. It's like you got to live. You got to do what you got to do. And, you know, um, you know, my bucket list was I wanted me and Prince to get together and do some stuff because I always thought, you know, that would be a great thing because mm-hmm. I just, you know, um, and we had been talking about it, and you know, I mean, one of the last times, well, um, he was, he was, he did a gig in Anaheim. You were there, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, and we got a chance to hang out and, you know, I don't know if you, but we, you know, he had, had me come and we sat in the dressing room and just talked for a while before yeah. he did the show. And, you know, we just got a chance to kind of talk about a lot of things that we really hadn't talked about and we needed to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, but that, you know, um, let's see, bucket list. Um, you know, I'm going to make movies, so, but I don't know if that's a bucket list. That's just something I'm going to do. And like right. I said, I'm a guy that just, you know, don't talk about it, just do it. So right. I don't talk about it a whole lot, but that's, I'm making, I'm going to start making movies. I'm going to finish, you know, this, this album and promoting this album and, 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 and all that. And then I'm going to take a minute and finish the screenplay that I'm working on. And, and cool. you know, um, and, you know, and uh, I'm going to start making movies. Cool. Another social media question. Is there anything you learned from Prince that has stuck with you? God, probably tons and tons and tons and tons of stuff. I mean, right. you know, God, I don't even, you know, um, um, things that stuck with me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. It will learn, I guess, things rubbed off, I guess, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but that's a good question. Um, it's hard to really put my finger on anything in particular, you know, um, you know, cause you know, I think, 
Well, it's like when we were talking earlier, you know, it's it's like I was always the brash, let's just do this, man. Let's just do mm-hmm. it. And he was always a, the person to focus on the what the it was. Right. I think that's the main thing that he kind of, um, you know, made me key in and focus in because, you know, I mean, you know, it's it's easy to do a lot. of It's easy right. to run out and do stuff and be brash and do stuff. But to be focused and to know exactly what it is you want to do, you know, I think that's that's I think that's a winning combination to be able right. to put those things together. And, and that's something that he did that I think stuck with me. They're also wanting to know, like, if there's any funny moments, like his sense of humor. Did hmm. he even have it like back then? Oh, it seems like he's doing crazy practical jokes all the time to other people. You know, one of his signature practical jokes that used to drive me freaking crazy was the backup in the car routine, you know? Yeah, it's like when you're backing up and all of a sudden you, you know, you bang on the car and you turn around, it's like, oh. It's like, okay, you do that again, you walk in. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, he, he, he had a, you know, I mean, a sense of humor. And he, he literally, you know, um, he would completely write stuff down he would he would know i mean you know he, he's he, he was and i guess that's the other thing that you know I, I think that you know i don't know that i really picked up that you know because i you know that was his thing you know um because i you know I, I have to say i've always take to, uh, taken pride in being my own self so i wasn't like i was trying to you know adapt anybody's thing at all because i mean you know i was <laughs> Very much a, a, a very interesting, <laughs> colorful right. character, just you know, in my own right. But um, but you know, the fact that he wrote everything down, you know, um, you know, I think that I picked a little bit of that up, you know, um, and you know, he, you know, I mean, that's hard to say because we both drew, uh, draw, you know, sketch, and you know, I mean, again, it's hard to say. I don't know that I picked that up necessarily from him because my brother did it and. Right. You know, I don't even know if I picked it up from my brother. It's just something that you do. But it was, you know, when you meet somebody that, again, you know, that are into a lot of the same things that you're into, um, you know, it's it's hard to say you picked it up from them or they picked it up from you, but you just know that you both were into it. I mean, Morris was into it too. Morris was into, you know, drawing, you know, uh, uh, comic book characters and a lot of stuff people don't probably know. I mean, I may, Morris may not want it because he's cool. So he may not want anybody telling him that he draws comic. He used to draw comic book characters. Hilarious. But hey, you know, too late now. And this one, it's not even a question, but I think it was one of one of the first ones we got. We want to make sure everyone knows that we go through all the all the comments. Mm-hmm. Amanda, she just wanted to say, tell him he's gorgeous. <laughs> well, thank you, Amanda. <laughs> I appreciate that. Now, is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to say? that we may not have said that you just want to get out there um, about anything, the album, Prince, anything. You know, just, um, I would say, you know, I mean, when I think about Prince, I just want to make sure that, you know, um, his legacy um, is intact. And, you know, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, because again, you know, like I, we were talking earlier, people are rewriting history and mm-hmm. people are starting to, you know, say things that just aren't true. And that's just something that I, I just, I feel strongly about, you know, because I just, you know, I mean, you know, I just think a lot, I, 
you know, you know, I, this is somebody that I saw literally every day in my life for about ten years or so. Mm. You know, so um, so obviously his legacy and and just how he's remembered, and how things, you know, I mean, for whatever I can do, whatever I, I mean, I've been asked to be involved in different things, but I just that's just something that I want to make sure that we get right because that means a lot to me because I, I feel very much a part of his, you know, his thing, you know, I mean, cause we were there, we started off together, you know, and he blew up and, you know, and, and I, I think it was beautiful. And I think I really, you know, was like, you know, I felt like I was a part of that, you know? Right. And so now that he's gone, I feel even more a part of trying to, you know, sort of keep it in context, keep it in perspective, keep it respectable, you know, because, you know, if I don't, you know, I don't know who really will, you know, I mean, and, and, and the way that he would probably like to see it right. done, you know, I mean, and I don't want to by any means, you know, cause that's a big responsibility and I don't want to by any means be, you know, somebody who wants to be some, you know, oh, you got to do this, blah, blah, blah. Right. No, but, but by the same token, I, I do want to, you know, um, I do want to be able to be accessible and, you know, and I think those who are involved know that, you know, obviously, you know, I'm there for them and if, if you know, um, whatever I can do mm -hmm. um, to uh, try to, you know, to give guidance, to give suggestions, to give ideas and to do whatever I can do to help, you know, because um, I think there's a lot that I can, I can do, but I just, I just don't want to see what I'm seeing and hear what I'm hearing coming from people who should know better. And, right. you know, I just, I, I just, I'm, I'm very, 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 very disappointed in some people that mm -hmm. I thought were different people and they're turning out to be people that I, I just don't even know. And I'm just, I'm not good with that. So, right. you know, anyway, I, you know, Andre I, he was a beautiful dude. He made beautiful yeah. music. I think it, it, I want it to be remembered as, as what it was and what it is. Mm -hmm. Andre, I appreciate you being here with us. My pleasure. Guys, make sure to pick up 1969. The MPG is going on tour. Andre's also doing a few solo dates. Pay attention. Whenever it comes to Andre, we're always going to be promoting him. So keep the word out. And when you have your screenplay, when you're done with it, we'd love to have you back on again. Absolutely. Man. Absolutely. So we'll do it again. Thank you guys so much for subscribing on iTunes and Stitcher. Tell people about us. Thank you for donations. Again, make sure to pick up Andre Simone's new album, 1969. Keep it funky, y'all. Till next time.
About a dozen downtown businesses were boarded up Wednesday, and glass-littered sidewalks followed two nights of protests over the police shooting of an unarmed black man. There were few people on the streets, as the Cincinnati Archdiocese canceled classes at two inner-city Roman Catholic schools, and police encouraged curiosity seekers to sleep. Hello, my life. Smiling again. Hello, my love. I missed you, my friend.
hours in downtown businesses were boarded up Wednesday and blacks littered the sidewalks following two nights of protests over the police shooting of an unarmed black man. There were two people on the streets as the Cincinnati Archdiocese canceled classes at two inner city Roman Catholic schools and police urged curiosity seekers to stay out of the over the Rhine neighborhood. Technology stocks extended their game Wednesday and they promised